What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's good for you to become a saint and your journey toward eternity. You hit me up with your own questions about faith and morality, about discipleship, catechesis, relationships, the list goes on. I will sit with your questions, whatever they are. I'll pray with them, study, talk to some friends about them, and hopefully get back to you in a way that is helpful for you to become holy, to grow in your relationship with God, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and a disciple maker in the church. If you're a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments and critiques at www com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats that are out there. And you can share us on your social media pages. If the show is good for you, it might be good for other people as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about happy. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like it's something, something, something. Uh, we're going to talk about happiness, right? And uh, how can we be happy whenever we live in a world that has so many injustices in a world where there's so much obvious evil, where there's so much division, how can we be happy? But before we get into that really good question about happiness and how can we experience happiness in the midst of so much chaos, I want to share with you a glorious story. So I um I love man I love having school. The kids are just so good, and there's like a specific I don't know if it's like an innocence about these kids, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but they're just so good. One of our students was in the car with her grandmother recently, and as they were driving home, they passed by a gas station where there was a homeless man who was outside the gas station, and this child, she's a kindergartner at Sacred Heart. She said, Grandma. Grandma, that's grandma. The grandma's on the phone. She said, well, hold on, baby. What, what, what? Is the bathroom? She said, no, there's a homeless man. We have to go feed him. Let's go feed him. It was so beautiful. This is a kindergartner. And she said, let's go fish. I have chips. Let me give him my chips and we can go get him some water. Let's go get him some water. It was so beautiful. She was drawn. She was drawn to go and be with a brother in Christ who's experiencing poverty in this season of his life. She was drawn to be with him, and she's done this apparently, of course, with the grandmother multiple times since. Whenever she sees a homeless person, she gets excited, and she wants to go and be with them in relationship with them, which is just really beautiful because that's the heart of Christ. That's a pure heart. Christ is drawn to those who are homeless. Christ is drawn to those who are ostracized, who are marginalized, who are disenfranchised. And so is this little child. And so um, I, I, yeah, my glory story is just that yeah, this kid at my school is a little, a little saint. She's a little saint. And if we could all just imitate her and long to be in communion with our brothers and sisters who experience poverty, wouldn't this world be a better place? Wouldn't we be closer to Jesus? Because uh, Jesus is in the poor. He's in the poor. And sometimes we're like, why is my prayer so dry? 
And I'm thinking, your prayer is probably dry because you're not praying the way God wants you to pray. Well, how does God want me to pray? Well, He definitely wants you to read Scripture. He definitely wants you to sit before the Blessed Sacrament. But He also wants you to be in relationship with the poorest of the poor. And if we neglect the poorest of the poor and being in relationship with them, we will be neglecting the voice of the Lord and the face of the Lord and the presence of the Lord in the poor. And that's a very, very tangible way that He is trying to be close to us. So, yeah. Love my students, they're the best, they're the best. So shout out to my students and specifically my kindergartners. With that, let's go ahead and jump into the question about happiness. Father Josh, there's so much bad in our world. There's killings, war, injustices, the list goes on. How can I be happy? How can I be happy in a world like this? This is a great question. So what I do is when I get questions, the first thing I do before I study and before I reflect and before I do research, I just pray. Now, when I went to pray with this specific question, a lot of different scriptures came to my heart. So I'm just going to kind of go down the list of scriptures and share with you why they came to my heart. So the very first scripture was Psalm 1. Psalms, the Psalms were written by King David. King David was a man who was, again, at one point in his life, he was a great warrior. And then he ended up having an affair with Bathsheba. He took advantage of her. He was the king. So he used his power to take advantage of her, commit the sin of adultery. He tried to get her husband drunk. He eventually got her husband killed. Uh, he was confronted by uh, Nathan. He repented. At the end of his life, God said, David is a man from my own heart. So Psalm 1, the Psalms are really important to pray because Jesus Christ himself prayed the Psalms. As priests and religious, we and deacons, we recite the Psalms every day. Deacons do it twice a day, morning prayer and evening prayer. Uh, priests pray the Psalms five times a day. And uh, I think sisters pray. Some sisters pray like two times, some say pray five, and some pray seven. So it depends on what religious community they're with. But the Psalms are very important for all of us because Jesus Christ himself prayed them. The very last prayer he recited on the cross was the Psalms. So the Psalms are important. But the very first Psalm is very easy to remember. Psalm 1 is a Psalm I've been drawn to in prayer a lot lately. Whenever people come to see me in my office for pastoral counseling, people who are struggling, people who are going through difficult seasons of life, one of the very first questions I will always ask them, no matter what they're going through, whether it's a health or financial or relationship or whatever it might be, is I'll ask them about their interior life, about their prayer. And most people say, well, my prayer is good, Father. What does it look like? And most people's prayer life doesn't look super good once we begin to examine it because it lacks scripture, right? If we don't pray with scripture, that's not a good thing because scripture is the voice of God. So, Psalm 1, the very first psalm of the book of Psalms, says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the company with scoffers. Rather, the law of the Lord is his joy. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted near streams of water that yields its fruit in season, its leaves Never wither, whatever he does prospers. All right, we're going to stop right there at Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. 
The word blessed is synonymous with happy. Happy is the person who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. Not happy is the person who meditates. It's happy is the person who meditates on the law of the Lord. What's the law of the Lord? The law of the Lord is the word of God. So our happiness is rooted in scripture. We could be rich or poor, and we will be happy if we're rooted in scripture. We can be physically healthy or unhealthy, and our happiness will be rooted in our meditation on the word of God day and night. Not just one time a day, but day and night. Because that's what Jesus did. He spoke to the Father early in the morning and late at night. He spoke to the Father all throughout the day. So when we're rooted in prayer, when we're rooted in relationship with God, when we not only share our thoughts and our feelings and our desires with God, but we also read his scriptures and then meditate on his scriptures, which means we focus on what his scriptures are saying to us and having conversations with God about what they're saying to us, then we will be happy. And so it's really important to examine whenever we're going through seasons of unhappiness, how is our prayer? Am I reading scripture and am I meditating on scripture? And if so, am I reading and meditating on scripture day and night? And we can pray with scripture through the rosary. The rosary is scripture on beads. And so you can read the, the mystery of the rosary. If you're like, well, what scripture do I pray with day and night? Well, pick the mysteries of the rosary and do a decade of the rosary early in the morning and then do a decade in mid-morning and then do a decade in the afternoon, do a decade in the evening, do a decade at night. And each decade, do it based on the mysteries and then go to the word of God, the scriptures, to read the mysteries in the Bible and then to meditate on, on them there with Our Lady. So the first thing I want to encourage us to do is, is pray. Most people that come to me for counseling and they're not happy, say, man, they're not praying. Because the more we pray, the more we tell about God, the more Matthew 5 is cultivated within our hearts. Matthew 5 is that first beatitude, blessed are the poor. The poor are those for whom they have God. And because they have God, God is sufficient. Everything else is lanyard. Everything else is extra. We don't need anything or anyone but God. God is the reason why I am joyful. God, God fulfills me. He satiates me. He quenches my thirst. God is everything to me. And so the Lord is inviting us to really believe that He is enough. So when we pray, do we pray throughout the day? Or do we just have like a one little limited prayer time? Because the Bible says happiness is rooted in a person who meditates on Scripture morning and night, right? So throughout the day in relationship with, with God. As I was praying, I was also drawn to, to think about Peter. You know, Peter was in a storm and Peter was on a boat with the apostles and Jesus wasn't on the boat. Jesus was up in the mountains praying, talking to the Father, listening to the Father. And when Jesus came back to Peter and the other apostles, it was early in the morning. They were miles away from the shore. They were miles into the, into the water. And there was a storm and the waves were crashing against the boat. And the apostles first thought it was a ghost, which is it's really interesting. That means the apostles believed in ghosts. So ghosts are something that even they believed in back then because ghosts are souls without bodies. But then Peter says, Lord, call me to come to you. Notice what he doesn't say. Jesus make the storm go away. Before, whenever they were in a boat and Jesus was in the boat with them and there was a storm, they woke him up and they said, Jesus, make the storm go away. But this time he doesn't need the storm to go away. His, his peace will come from being proximate to the Lord, being close to the Lord. That's where he wants to be. He wants to be with the Lord. And so Jesus says, all right, come. After Peter says, bid me to come to you. And Peter begins to walk on water. And he's fine until he takes his eyes off of Jesus, until he stops praying. And he focuses more on the storm. The same happens for us. When we begin to focus on the storms of our lives, more than we're focusing on the Lord, 
we will become overwhelmed with anxiety. Right? Nothing good comes from a long time of navel gazing. The sun is real. If you go outside, the sun right now is very real, actually. It's super hot right now. But because it's real doesn't mean I'm supposed to look at it. If I look at the sun, this ain't Medjugorje, my eyes gonna hurt, right? Uh, so Peter took his eyes off of Jesus to focus on the storm and he began to sink and he was filled with anxiety. So we need to be close to the Lord. We're, we're invited throughout the day as, as we're being triggered, as things are happening, as we're getting into arguments with loved ones, our confusion is happening, our misunderstandings are happening, our, uh, our health isn't the best, our, we, we lost money or we lose a job or we lose whatever, we're invited to run to the Lord, get close to the Lord. Back to Psalm 1, it says this in verse 3, he is like a tree planted near streams of water that yields its fruit in season, right? Trees, if you're from the South, if you are if, not South, there's trees everywhere, but like here in the South, right? If, if I wanted to grow a tree, I would want to if, like put it near water because the closer it is to water, the more it's going to get fed. If, if I, certain kinds of trees need to be, not, not every tree, certain kinds of trees need to be close to water. And if I take that same kind of a tree and put it far away from water, it's still gonna like be a tree, but it's not gonna grow to its full potential. It has the capacity to grow more if it is closer to, to water. Um, and not just like me getting a hose and spraying it every now and then, but like being fed in its roots with water. And so whenever we are being constantly immersed in the water, we grow and we're constantly immersed in God's word. His word purifies and it heals and redeems and restores and renews us in our walk toward eternity. And the less proximate we are to God's word, to God's voice, to God's presence, the less we're, we're going to experience that peace that comes from being in relationship with God in the midst of the many trials that we will face throughout our life. Like we're gonna have crosses. He says, if you're gonna be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross. To pick up your cross is essentially saying, if, if, you, if you're gonna be my disciple, pick up your, what's it called? The electrocution chair, right? It, the, the cross was a, a torture method that people died on. He was saying, if you're gonna be my disciple, be prepared to die. Like, be prepared to suffer and be prepared to die. But in the midst of the suffering, in the midst, midst of the death, we read the stories of so many saints who died with a smile on their face because they died with the Lord. Did it still hurt? Yes. Was it still painful? Certainly. But they were in communion with the God of the universe. And he's the one who gives us the, the joy. He's the fulfillment of our desires. He's the source of our happiness. The other scripture I was drawn to was from St. Paul. St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, he says, like, meditate on that which is, which is good and lovely, right? So, so focus on, on the Lord. Focus on him. He is the objective good. He is the ultimate love of our lives. So to intentionally throughout the day, focus on him, to choose to focus on him. This might mean we must bring the Bible with us to work. We bring the Bible with us in the car, on the bus. We bring the Bible with us wherever we go, put it in the purse or in your book sack, but bring the word of God with us. That way you can be very proximate to the word. And as we are triggered throughout the day, immediately run to the word. I make it a habit to where I'm going to go to God's word and I'm going to immerse myself in God's voice right now on the spot. That's where, that's where happiness comes from. Again, this is all according to scripture. So how can we be happy in a world where there's so much killing? It's violence. There's war, there's injustices. Well, it's by going to God and receiving his love and then being inspired by God to address violence in our community, to address killings that are happening to those who are most vulnerable among us, to address unjust wars and injustices throughout our communities, throughout our workplace environments, our healthcare system, our neighborhoods, our schools. We will be inspired by him to address them 
when we pray, whenever our work is the fruit of our prayer, real transformation, lasting transformation happens. So yeah, happiness comes from God. It comes from God and God alone. We can live in a world where there's, there's no more war and where there's no more institutional injustices and there's no more killings. And we could still be without happiness because we're not praying. But if we pray in the midst of the ongoing wars that will continue to happen, in the midst of the ongoing murders and killings that will continue to happen, in the midst of the ongoing injustices that will continue to happen, we can have an interior peace as we respond to them with the grace of God. So that's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to say. Hopefully some of that was helpful for you. Uh, But there are other perspectives out there. Other people might have other ways of addressing this question that are just as valid, but I think that this is an option that we could do. So with that being said, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to share with you a story of a saint who, uh, in the midst of a lot of suffering, she had happiness. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Father Mark Toops, author of the Rejoice Advent Meditation Series. And if this Advent you're looking for a peaceful encounter with God, I invite you to order a copy of Rejoice, an Advent pilgrimage into the heart of Scripture, year B. You can find out more at rejoiceprogram.com. God bless you. And we are back. Just a reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, critiques at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats. And you can share us on your social media pages. If it's been good for you, it might be good for others. So the saint for today is a venerable member of the body of Christ, Venerable Maria Luisa Josefa. Uh, She was a woman who at one point was a wife, and uh, she was a woman who became a widow and then she became a nun and then she became a lay woman again and then she became a nun and then I think she became a lay woman again right maybe and then she became a nun again it was something it's crazy it's crazy her story and I'm gonna get it wrong a little bit but basically she's from Mexico and uh and she was born in the late 1800s died in the early 1900s 1930s she was uh Involved in an arranged marriage, so uh, throughout the world, not everybody who gets married is somebody who meets a dude or a lady and falls in love. They get married because their parents arranged the marriage. Uh, So she was in an arranged marriage. She was like 15 years old, which is kind of crazy. Different times than today, but she was 15. The man was 30 years old. Uh, I believe he was a doctor. And so they got married. And on the day of their wedding, uh, she was like, hey, let's go pray at the convent. And he took her to the convent. And she went up to the mother's peer and said, hey, I want to join your order of nuns. And she told her husband, you can leave now. I'm going to be a nun. <laughs> she had no desire to be married. But Mother Superior told her, you got to go be married. And so she tried to live a married life. And, and she did. She loved her husband. They were married for about 15 years. They weren't not able to conceive. They experienced a lot of infertility. And so they decided uh, during their 15 years of marriage that they would adopt the poor and they would serve the poor and those who are poor and those who suffer and those who are sick would be their spiritual children and they would raise them as if they were their own children. And so together they founded a hospital and she had gifts um, of administration and of leadership and of organization. And so she used her gifts to run this hospital that was for the poorest of the poor and it was very fruitful. Uh, but then eventually 
he passed away, her husband died. And so once he passed away, uh, she decided, well, now I could be a nun, right? I could be a nun. And she went to the convent and they took her. And so she was able to become a nun. But then when she was a nun and she was living with the visitation sisters, the hospital that she and her husband founded, the hospital that she was the administrator of began to fall apart. And so the archbishop and her mother's superior said, you should probably go back. Like they need you. So she went back and she um, again, under her leadership, the hospital thrived. More poor people were able to be served. I think she was able to also open up an orphanage or something like that. And so it was just really beautiful. Actually, you know what? I think, honestly, she wanted to enter the Visitation Sisters. I apologize. They didn't accept her. But she, during her years as a laywoman, during her years of marriage, she was introduced to Carmelite spirituality. So she actually entered the Carmelites, the order she became a member of. And so it was the Carmelite Mother Superior and her, her Archbishop said, can you please go back into the world because this, this hospital needs you. And so she went back to the hospital, the hospital began to thrive again. Look, I know I'm all over the place, but the point is, while she was married, she was happy. Even though she wanted to be a nun, and but she was married, her happiness came from God, period. Not from being a nun, from God. When she was in marriage, she wanted to be a mom, she was infertile, she was still happy. Why? Because God was everything to her. Like she didn't make an idol out of having babies. She made God her, her everything. And then when her husband died, she, she missed her husband, but she tried to become a nun. Again, she was a nun for a while. She had to leave the convent to run the hospital. In the midst of the headache of running the hospital, leaving the order that she you know, loved to be a part of, again, she's experiencing this happiness. And so uh, she continued to, to serve in that capacity. And then eventually she uh, left again and she entered uh, another community. And then while she was in that community, she was asked to come back again because now not only was the hospital failing, but the school that she founded, the, the orphanage school, that began to fail as well. So now she had to leave again as a sister. Now she's she's much older. She's in her 50s and she's, well, and 50s ain't old, but she was much older than she was when she was you know first a sister. So now she's again back, back out there doing her thing as a lay woman making the school happen again, making the hospital happen again. And finally, she was given permission to found her own religious community. And that's what she did. And, uh, and she spent the rest of her life as a mother superior founding orders, but also having to move a lot because of war. We spoke about war in the, in the last question. Because of the different wars that were happening in Mexico, she had to, had to leave and uh, she opened up convents in the United States of America. She went back to Mexico and she had to just constantly move and go and move and go and found and go because of the fear of, of being killed because she wanted the, the order to continue to thrive. And so she lived a life where she never really had um, comfort. She never was able to just rest and just be, but she was happy throughout because every day she prayed and she prayed multiple times throughout the day. And in prayer, she encountered the God of the universe who fulfilled her. And so even though her life was a mess and even though it was filled with chaos and disorder and war and she saw violence and she saw many injustices and she saw institutions that were corrupt, she experienced this interior joy uh, because she was in a personal relationship with the Lord. So I think some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life are some of the poorest people. Because uh, even though they don't have a lot, they have Jesus. And Jesus really is sufficient. So if you want to be happy, I want to invite you to turn to Blessed Maria Luisita um, and ask her for her, her prayers so that we can be rooted in and devoted to meditation of the Word of God not just once a day, but multiple times throughout the day, morning, evening, and night. Until next time, I love you all very much, and I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Mm -hmm.